Thank you for listening to the Folk Podcast, episode 27. We have been doing the Folk Podcast for nearly six months now, talking about all manners of topic around Norse paganism. If you'd like to get more involved in the Wisdom of Odin and the Folk Podcast and everything we're doing over here, please think about donating to Patreon. It'll be Patreon at the Wisdom of Odin. You can find links on my YouTube page as well as the Wisdom of Odin Instagram at the Wisdom of Odin. There are a wide range of benefits, including our community Discord, where we offer a judgment-free environment to learn more about the faith and a place to learn more about the gatherings we put on. At a different tier, I offer live streams every two weeks um, where it's just a personal time. There's usually less than 20 people in there, and we get to talk about all things Norse paganism and just have a good time. And then the final tier gets early access and exclusive videos, as well as your name in the credits at the end of the Wisdom of Odin videos. If you choose to support, thank you very much. Just know you're helping me produce great content on the Wisdom of Odin YouTube, and you're helping us produce good content here at the Folk Podcast. So please enjoy today's episode. Thank you. Welcome to the 27th episode of the Folk Podcast. It has been a while, but we finally have reunited the fellowship. All four co-hosts are finally here in Miri, but we still have a very strange setup today. Ian is actually over at my place, traveling across the country, doing the wandering thing, losing his mind slightly, and he's here to film the Folk Podcast, I guess not live? I don't know. But we have all the co-hosts here, so I hope you miss the other two. Baker, Insured, it's good to see you guys back. Where have you been? What have you been up to? Tell everyone you're okay. I'm alive. I made like a 2,000 mile trip between going to Wisconsin and back a few weeks ago. So um, I'm alive as well. Uh, the, the Texas freeze did not screw me over. So I'm, I'm here and I'm ready to get back going on the podcast. Now, he sounds put together, but I'm looking at his hair right now, and it definitely seems like the barber shops have all been frozen over. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I need to definitely get a haircut. It's been a while with the crazy weather and stuff we've had. I've just kind of let it go for now. Yeah, so um, with this episode, we wanted to talk about something just kind of like a roundtable discussion, mostly because um, we've just been out of whack just because, um, you know, both the both the Caleb's have been kind of out doing their own thing for a little bit now. And we recorded two episodes last time with just uh, Ian and myself. And so this one, we wanted to kind of get back in the swing of things and talk about a subject is ritual garb and dressing what to wear during rituals. And I figured maybe we can even talk about what maybe ritual etiquette in a way like I'm not saying like the rules of a ritual like this is just something that we've come across in our experience um so ian since you haven't said anything yet what is your feelings on ritual wear put you on the spot all right um i mean it's it's definitely something that is uh i feel like a, a work in progress over time like you definitely start very simple very basic and then eventually as you kind of find more objects whether it's bones feathers you know, et cetera. And it even changes up a bit as far as when, uh, you know, if you have a very specific ritual that you want to put on, I feel like that's when things really start to, to change and, and expand, so to speak. So like, for example, myself, like I have, as of right now, I'm currently working on some, you know, some headpieces that I want to do for some very specific, uh, almost like personas is probably the best way that I would, I would consider it. But as of right now, I have a very basic, um, you know, like tunic and pants kind of set up. And then I would just usually do face paint. But I mean, that's that's a good place to start is honestly just finding a, a face paint that 
you know, kind of works for what you're doing or what you want to perceive, or like, like I said, that persona that you were trying to portray, whether it's a specific ritual or mindset that you're trying to get into. Um, and just to give a little bit of a precursor before we dive too deeply into it, um, when we're referring to ritual garb, we're just simply referring to anything that helps put you in the mindset of being in a ritual. Um, this has become a natural progression just because um, it's nothing that we've necessarily read in a book. It's not necessarily, we didn't read this in the Poetic Edda. There's no secret line of the have them all that says you must dress a certain way to honor the ancient gods. By no means is this something that is, you know, required of anyone. Now, if you look up any kind of like modern Ossetru group, like in, in particular, like the Ossetru in Iceland, um, you, you start Google imaging searching right away and they do have some form of ritual garb. Um, so, you know, obviously in the reconstruction of modern day Ossetru, um, they do seem to have some form of ritual regulation and outfit, but in the terms of like, you know, broad spectrum heathenry and Norse paganism, it seems like there's a lot of different interpretations and practices along with ritual garb and whether, I mean, some people just simply don't wear it and that's perfectly fine. Um, so we just want to definitely make sure that you know that this is not a requirement by no means is this, a you know, any, no one is telling you that you have to do this and no, no one should ever be, you know, able to tell you that you, you can't wear it or you have to wear it. Um, um, so, you know, this is definitely whatever makes you feel comfortable in your ritual practice. Right. Well, I mean, I, I was just going to jump in real quick is on that because I, I do get the concept of ritual garbs. And if it helps you get in the mindset, like if you're working with, uh, we'll just go with uh, Ian's matron hell, for instance, because that's one that not a lot of people work with. And you, you have something that really connects you with hell, like clothing wise or like on your garb then that's something you would want to include. Um, like, but like you said, like you, you don't really necessarily need a ritual clothing because like, you know, everybody knows I'm, I'm the Thor bro or like I'm, I'm framed as being the Thor bro. And he was a very common person. So I don't really feel a need to make ritual guard for whenever I go to talk to Thor or something like that. And it varies depending on maybe which God you want to work with or talk to when you're doing a ritual for that God. And that's kind of how I see it. Anything that anything that helps you get to the mindset is perfect to use. Um, and a lot of times it can change. I probably got two or three different sets of like quote unquote sets of stuff that I wear, depending on what exactly I'm going for. If I'm doing something more tame than I wear, I've got a so I'm not sure if I'll leave this in the actual audio recording, but uh, as Baker was beginning to speak, his daughter, I guess, decided to start slamming something against the wall. So I'm going to run diversions for him. <laughs> Anyways, ritual garb. Um, so for me, it started as, um, you know, when I went into the first ritual we ever did last year, um, which is actually the gathering ended up having this past weekend was commemorating the first Wisdom of Odin gathering. Um, it, it will be a year on March 20th will be the first time we had a gathering um, last year. And so it's a, it's a really cool experience. But I, I think back uh, when I was preparing for that first ritual, that first, you know, you know, summoning of the gods and, you know, having a ritual of more multiple people. And, you know, I had a thought of, I'll just do it in my regular clothing. But ultimately what made me decide to go with a simple robe that's really all I had was I had a white robe that I purchased I think I got it off Amazon to be honest with you um, and you know the reason I ended up doing it is because I, I personally needed something to help me get into a different mindset I needed something to you know move past my normal everyday street clothes you know if I wore the same clothing that I went to you know the grocery store in I feel like that's not something I want to honor the gods in. I mean, again, some people might say like, well, that's how you should be able to honor gods and that's fine. But to me, I didn't want to wear my jeans and like my tank top in a sweater to honor the gods. That didn't, didn't, just didn't feel right. And so having something that is set aside 
for them, I think makes it a little bit more special. Um, and yes, like it's not a fancy robe. I don't even think it's like, it's it, again, it came from Amazon, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. But I have used it for over a year now. And in fact, I used that same robe for this past weekend. And now it has a story, it has a journey. It's seen and performed with me four or five rituals now, you know, coming into, you know, a year with it, you know, now it has a story behind it. It might, it might have started as an Amazon white robe that I purchased, but now it is, you know, it's a robe that, you know, launched the, you know, the Wisdom of Odin gatherings. Um, it was at the fall gathering. It was at, you know, Kentucky Yule. Um, and now here it is, you know, a year later at, you know, I guess, you know, it's like a weird Ostara year, year celebration of, you know, the gatherings. Um, so now it has a story. And I think that's one of the things we look at with ritual garb is that it becomes a story of you. And at least that's my personal experience is that definitely it represents you and the journey you've been on. And I feel like it, it kind of going on to that, that idea of helping you get into the mindset, especially when you have a, a set of clothing like that, that has been through, you know, multiple rituals and gatherings, it, it helps you almost yeah like, like I was, we were talking earlier trigger yourself into getting into a mindset because you know as soon as you start putting that that outfit on you know that you're about to do something you are about to put on perform a ritual you are about to do a bloat or you know a big offering etc whatever it may be and I feel like yeah having something that is constant and consistent that you have that you put on throughout different rituals and stuff like that and like you said is on that journey helps you kind of like get you into that mindset of i'm about to do this ritual or i'm about to do this bloat yeah uh, definitely i can see that because um even like going back i have a suit that i have in my closet um it was for whenever i preached and that was the suit i was wearing the suit i bought for it and like I, when i look at it i see and I, I have the memories of you know even whenever i was a preacher going around the different churches and doing everything i did whenever i was a christian so it, it definitely having an attire set aside for when you do religious practices, and then it doesn't matter if it's pagan or, or what religion you really follow, it helps get into the mindset easier. If you need that uh, click, I guess, in your mind to say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a ritual or I'm getting ready to do an offering to this God. It makes it easier and it helps get your mind and spirit really prepared to make this journey and, and decision and choice. Well, and I think, you know, then we can start moving into the history aspect of it. Um, you know, I don't have anything in front of me. I don't think I have any book in my library of I think over 35 books now um, that say anything about ritual garb. I think there's slight mentionings that, you know, some ceremonial headdresses have been found in Germany or something like that, that have, you know, like they have like a copper, like a brass top with like almost like actually had horns in them. Um, and that's like really about it as far as we're finding about ritual garb. Um, but we can infer from the majority of religious practice across the world, across history, it seems like whatever priest class there are, you know, whatever it is in a society always seems to dress differently. Um, in fact, actually, there is um, one case of a um, traveling vulva, I believe. I can't remember where her body was found, if it was in Iceland or if it was in Norway. Um, but they actually found um, like her, like what she was buried with and the clothing she was buried with. And she had like a wide range of very strange things like sewn into her clothing. I think something about like cat fur or something like that. And so like there was like multiple cat furs in there. So it seems like she had a unique outfit. Um, and so 
you know, I think it is safe to assume that to some degree, even, you know, a thousand years ago, 2000 years ago, 8,000 years ago, you know, as, as this, you know, spirituality and paganism developed through, you know, the multiple earth and bones uh, religions, it seems like the clergy class separated themselves somehow. Um, and I think we even see that, you know, in shamanism as well. It is, always seems that in shamanism that, you know, they, they tend to dress differently to both uh, set themselves aside. And this is when, when I say shamanism, I'm talking about actual practicing shamans that are the shaman of tribes and villages. It, they always have some kind of passed down ancestral items um, that pass down between, you know, generations of different shamans. Of course, again, not universal, but again, majority of the time, this is usually what happens. Um, so these objects, while sometimes are just a stick, all of a sudden those sticks have stories when all they, they have been passed down for generations. And in fact, um, actually, you know, if I can go on my little history, you know, rant here, um, when I was studying um, African um, art history in college, um, we talked about the religious practices of certain tribes. And one of the things I absolutely loved is they, uh, I forget the name of the actual tribe, I apologize. Um, but they had this um, the system of teaching the children from the grandparents, so to speak, the grandparent spirits. And they had masks that they wore to teach the children. And, you know, whatever adult was wearing the mask at the time would be the teacher. And so those masks were passed down for generations. Um, and that was their way of raising the young. And so, you know, it was a way for them to transcend, you know, um, the different ancestral lines. You know, they weren't just the person behind the mask. They were the ancestors. Um, and while that's not necessarily, you know, Norse or Norse pagan, I think we can see those, those same things, you know, really affecting us and, and moving down the, uh, you know, the ancestral lines. Yeah, well, I mean, and it's, it's something that you've talked about before. Um, I think on the last time we kind of touched touch on this uh, topic a little bit, where you have, you know, pieces that are covering your eyes, because that way it takes away that it's, you know, that's Jacob up there and it's, it's now somebody else or whoever is putting on that ritual kind of like what you were saying it wasn't you know with the African tribe it wasn't who is behind the mask it's you know that ancestral spirit that they are now uh you know invoking or or representing so it it, it kind of helps with that mindset as well of helping everybody else that is now in that ritual separate you know you know, normal Joe Schmo that lived next door is now, a, you know, a shaman priest up there doing this ritual and you don't recognize him as that individual. It's now they are, you know, this spirit or this God that they are trying to, you know, emulate or, you know, represent and et cetera. And I think that definitely has a lot to do with ritual garb being a prominent thing as well. To redeem my art history background, it was the Dogon people. Going along with like different, cultures and stuff like that you don't have to look any further than here in america with the different native american tribes with uh like the blackfoot the sioux you know the comanche cherokee they all have you know their their chiefs have the the chieftain headdresses and then the shaman the the the, the ritual leaders they have their headdress that has whatever animal spirit connects with them usually most of the time uh, from my knowledge, at least. And so, so, so just to help get them and help the tribe get into that ritual uh, place. And then that's the really the key important thing to take away from any of it is you want to get something that will help you get into the mind of the ritual and to, to really transcend you and get your spirit ready for whatever ritual you're doing. Like if you look at, uh, I don't remember what book it was I was reading, 
it's in one of the the Norse books I have. But like, I, I remember talking about one of the offerings and stuff. Whenever they were doing human sacrifices, the sacrifices would be cleaned and well prepared. They would wear, you know, this this nice clothing and stuff because they're about to go to the god. They're about to be offered up as a sacrifice to the gods. And you know, a lot of primitive cultures that were what we would say that did the human sacrifices the humans were very well dressed and well prepared to go to the afterlife and that's something key we could take away from that is like then it just helps get in the, the mindset of of the ritual in a way weird way yeah so one thing that i think everybody should uh should try to get into just because it will help uh connect you more um I personally, I feel like with the gods um, and even the folk, whenever they see you uh, with such items, um, but crafting your own stuff, uh, putting your energy into it, whether you're just, you know, making a necklace by yourself or you went out into the woods and you have found, you know, the carcass of a deer and you've made, uh, you know, a ne- like a shaman's necklace or something like that out of all the vertebra or tailbones, something like that. Um you know, something like that, whenever you put time, energy, and effort into it, it becomes a lot more than just, you know, an item. It's, uh, it just becomes something more special and that puts a lot more magic into it. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I wanted to bring up for my own personal, um, ritual wear that has changed over the years. Um, so obviously started with the white rope as I brought up earlier. Um, so I ended up bringing that to the gathering we recently had over this last weekend. Um, and I just acquired this strange collection of things that I can choose to wear. You know, I have, of course, my Mjolnir. Um, I have, you know, an Othala necklace now. I have, you know, a, a maiden, like a handmade wood necklace that I have. Um, I have turkey feathers, a turkey foot. I have a, a plethora of bones of varying re- sizes. You know, I have like a fox pelvis, um, you know, and just, I just have a, a weird collection of things. And so looking at them, I have to think, what do I want to accomplish with this ritual? Um, so recently I've been diving more into Philia, which is a very hard subject to talk about, which is why I've never done a video about it and never done, you know, a podcast about it. Maybe we'll do a podcast someday. Um, but it's a subject we don't have a lot of information about. And so it's it's really hard to talk about from a, you know, having historical sources context, but I've been exploring more into it. And I have recently found out that my philia is a turkey, um, which is the strangest things, let me tell you, because, you know, when we go into these things, which is why I know it's a turkey, because I think all of us want a wolf or a bear or a raven or even things like a fox or, you know, I would take a coyote, but I got a damn turkey. And so we don't necessarily always get to choose these things. So, but I really wanted to embrace that. And the goddess I've been working with um, to help find my philia is Freya. And so going into this ritual, I wanted to do more of a Freya ritual. And so I ended up actually having turkey feathers in my, uh, in my hair, so to speak. Like I had a headband on and turkey feathers. Um, so to really more embrace that, that philia side and the, the more shamanic side of my new, uh, my you know, current spiritual practice. And so that's why I wore turkey feathers. You know, if you just saw me walking around like the, the poor neighbors did, um, they are probably just seeing this guy walk around with feathers in their hair, you know, and to them, it may seem like I don't have a purpose. Maybe I just look like I'm just trying to, you know, LARP or, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, I put turkey feathers in my hair because it has meaning and it has purpose to me, but also to the ritual I was performing. Um, and that's the overall point I leave people with in the, the, the ritual clothing video I've made in the past is that, you know, if you're going to do something, do it with 
purpose. And then that's all you really need. You know, if you're going to wear something because it looks cool, I mean, I, I guess that's fine. But like for when it comes to ritual purposes, I think you should probably wear things that have meaning to you, but also to the ritual you are currently performing. Yeah, kind of like, I don't know, that was kind of what I was talking about earlier, where, you know, you have certain items that you kind of collect, like it's a, it's a constant uh, building up and recreating and creating from the ground up of these outfits based off of what you're potentially trying to do. Like, for example, you said you've been working for, you know, working with your field go with your turkey, um, you know, and you wanted to bring that as part of it. Um, you know, like sure brought up like with my, with my, uh, working with hell, a lot of my stuff right now that I'm currently working on deals with a lot of bones. When I did a hell's blow, I painted the whole left side of my face, uh, you know, look, you know, skeletal as much as I possibly could, but it kept it in a very, you know, as I'm not an artistic person. So it wasn't, you know, it was something that uh, you know, any of a professional, like special effects or makeup artist would do, but I mean, it, it got the point across and it was very effective, especially having talked to individuals that were there at that, <laughs> at that bloat. Um, and yeah, like it, it, it worked, it worked for what I was doing. It worked for what I was trying to get across and everything like that. And that intention behind it. So yeah, that's definitely something I would keep in mind is what intention do you have for that outfit or why are you creating this headpiece or or why are you looking for this particular color of a of a tunic or a gown or et cetera et cetera um you know and and finding objects out in the wild you know like the fox pelvis the copious amounts of antlers that we found over the weekend well i mean i didn't find any unfortunately a little salty about that but you know you find some of these things and then you know to a degree you may not have a purpose for it at that moment but then one day you might just be sitting there looking at it and then it'll just click in your head and you're just like yes i'm going to use this for uh like a, a rattle or a staff piece or uh you know a head piece a necklace you know all sorts of things you know and it, it just i feel like that is a a good way of looking at it is just put some purpose behind it you may not always know what it is right away but you will find something for it eventually and it'll work in your favor or, you know, it'll work for what you are doing. And guys, it, stuff doesn't have to be like extravagant and, um, you know, like off the wall crazy. Like I've never worn it for an actual ritual that I've led. But one thing that I do, and it always tends to be during like the final ritual um, for, for the gathering, um, is that I always tend to emulate um, the Wanderer Ode. And I just have a strip of scrap leather. And it's big enough for me to put over one of my eyes and tie it around the back of my head. And it helps, it helps me get into that whole set. And like I said, it, it's nothing extravagant. It's a piece of brown leather, but it works. So just keep that in mind. Just to hop back in here, I actually found the article talking about um, the vulva found. Um, it was actually in Denmark in 1954 in Fierkat is the name of the town. So you can look it up if you'd like to look this up for yourself. Um, but yeah, she was buried with a, a, a strange plethora of objects. Um, so she was wearing a um, blue and red dress with long white, uh, long, long white sleeves and a headscarf. 
Um, she had toe rings made from silver. She had gold boxes with her. She had a, a bunch of different like herbs like buried with her as well or the remnants of it. Um, she had seeds that were actually like apparently the seeds if you ate them produced hallucinations. Um, she even had like a metal wand and um, she also was buried with a bunch of animal bones. And so it's like, Again, these are the things that you, you know, I personally witnessed in the in the pagan and heathen community at large is a lot of people that, you know, dive deeper into, you know, either say their practice or, you know, shamanic practice, they start collecting things like bones. We, we all seem to love bones. Uh, like at the last gathering, we just found a lot of antler bones. Shoot, the North Carolina gathering, we found a lot of cow bones. And it just seems to be this weird communal thing where we all seem to like bones a lot. Because I think we look at them with such great expectation of like, what can I turn this bone into? So yeah, I think it, it's definitely something that we're seeing from the past. You know, it's one body. Can we say one body means that all vulva dress like this? No, but she definitely seemed to have a unique style. And it seems like we also have our own unique style. Definitely. Uh, I mean, your best bet uh, as far as ritual clothes go, if you want to like search out for whatever spirit animal you are, get something of that spirit animal, like with what Jacob was saying with the turkey or Ian with the fox, you know, uh, find something that means purpose to you or something that you can connect back to the ritual itself that's going to be performed to whatever deity or to the deity that you want to work with or you pursue in a general bloat that we usually do at the end of the gatherings like what jake or caleb was saying that's that's really the key message here is finding something creating something and wearing it for that purpose to put you in the mindset of the ritual like those are your key factors just quick thing that came to mind on this right here too um something that i guess a lot of people don't think about you have something primal that you're trying to do. Really simple. Just try taking your shirt off and put paint. Paint yourself or use ashes or mud. And I guarantee you it will help. That's actually something I did or attempted to do at the very least at the North Carolina gathering. Um, I actually brought some clay I harvested from a local source here in Kentucky, um, like out of a river um, from like a place I do. I usually shoot videos and I go hiking. And I actually made a face mask from that. Um, to connect me to the land spirits here in Kentucky while performing a ritual, um, but also to get me into that mindset as well. So it's something that, you know, I really, I really enjoyed and I actually enjoyed the process of doing it as well. So you really need to figure out what works for you. Um, and, you know, in defense of the people that don't want to dress up, I know I was reading, I think it was a also true for beginners by Matthias Nordvig. Um, and he actually seems to be quite um, repulsed by uh, ritual garb. It seems like for the most part, it seems like, you know, he's, he's very much, you know, just perform a ritual in your normal clothes. Um, and, you know, this is a guy coming from Denmark and practicing it from Denmark. Um, and so, like I said, you know, you might see Ostatru in Iceland, they're going to do it. And it seems like, um, you know, Matthias Nordvik from Denmark, he doesn't like doing it. So, you know, you're going to find a wide range of people um, that like to, you know, um, you know, like to do various different things. Um, but I think the defense of wearing your normal clothes is the fact that um, when you, you know, when you actually go to a ritual dressed as you are, dressed in jeans, dressed in a, a t-shirt, you know, I don't think we, we have that Christian mindset of you're going to disrespect the gods if you don't dress up. And I think that's, you know, I, I know that's a fear that can happen is that you're, you feel like you're going to disrespect the gods if you show up in flip-flops and shorts. I don't think they're really going to care. Um, I think, again, it really relies on you. If you feel comfortable talking to the gods in flip-flops and shorts, 
more power to you because I definitely do not. Uh, but I don't think they're going to feel disrespected. I don't think, you know, anyone that you perform the ritual necessarily with, as long as you're with the right group of people is really going to care. Um, I mean, we've had people show up. I mean, we've had such a strange mix of people at gatherings. I mean, shoot, uh, you know, this most recent gathering, I was dressed up with the turkey feathers in my hair. You know, Mary was wearing overall, overalls. Logan, I had, I think, had his robes on. Uh, like, like, like everyone had like, like every other person was wearing either normal clothes or ritual clothes. Do you? Just do you. Definitely. And I, I'll be honest, I don't see myself having ritual clothes. And it mostly is because of my personal walk and where I've been. Because, like, for me, dressing up to do a ritual would be the same as me putting on that suit in my closet for preaching if I'm leading a ritual. So, you know, and Ian can attest to this. At the uh, Texas gathering that we did, I just put on face paint and I had my black overalls on with my black shirt, you know, and, and that's as simple as it can be. And that's just more comfortable for me because I like wearing my overalls. And like, like Jacob says, like he doesn't feel comfortable doing it. And if you feel the need to make ritual clothing, then do it. There's nothing wrong with, uh, with having it or not having it. Um, Cause I personally don't see myself having ritual garbs. You know, I'm not, I don't collect bones. Like my, I collect bones, but then I give them away to the people I know that want the bones. Uh, but for myself, I'm, I'm good coming to the gods as I am. And that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it goes back to something that I've, I've said a thousand times, and I'm sure I will say a million more until the day I die. It's, you know, yeah, it's all about intention. You know, it, it goes to, you know, when I've talked to people about altars, you know, you don't have to have these crazy extravagant things that are Instagram photogenic, perfect, you know, something you'd see out of like a pagans are us magazine kind of you know something off the wall like that it, it's the same it goes the same exact thing with ritual where you know you don't yeah have to have necessarily a crazy you know setup looking like you belong to a group like high long or something like that does it look awesome absolutely i think it does personally um but yeah you don't you can literally yeah like what you were saying sure you had face paint on and you're wearing yeah your coveralls and everything like that and the Thor's bloat that you put on was, was phenomenal. It was great. You know, and it, it's, it's, that's all you need. Sometimes it's just maybe a little face paint or you no, know, nothing at all. As long as that intention is there, that's really all that truly matters. Uh, I wanted to transition to was the fact that a lot of our listeners and the people listening to this podcast and many people that watch the wisdom of Odin and, you know, all of the social medias that we have tied to it around it is they're solo practitioners, or at the very least, they're, you know, not attending gatherings or not able to attend gatherings. And so what does this mean for them? You know, obviously, we're talking, we've been talking more from the gathering perspective, you know, when you're attending a public ritual or bloat. Uh, what does this mean for per personal practitioners? I mean, 95% of the time, I wear whatever I got. And I think this is also the thing to think about is, you know, I'm not wearing the shaman mask with the feathers and the robes by myself in my house. You know, I usually just give an offering in my house in the pants I'm wearing and the shirt I got on my back. And that's okay. And I think that's, you know, why I think it's okay is because, you know, why would we do that in our own home? And so I think, you know, that works just fine for you. Now I do, I will say I have done it before. Um, where I actually have dressed up for a personal ritual in my house. But typically my rituals in my own personal practice at home are quite simple. Usually it's a small offering, a reading of poetry or something like that. But I have done deeper rituals, especially more into the shamanic work that I've been doing 
Um, and I have actually like worn turkey feathers like around my chest while doing like some filgia stuff. Um, so it's like, again, it's just gonna depend on what you're doing in your own personal practice. Um, but also I think it's really funny to walk across the street um, wearing my ritual clothes sometimes. Because <laughs> like where my, uh, my new altar is outside, I have to do like walk across the street. And so like I have walked out there in some ritual clothes before just to like kind of look around at people like, hey, what's up? I'm just gonna, just gonna go in the woods real quick and do some rituals. It's no big deal. You know, I'll see, I'll, I'll see you around. <laughs> Wait, you mean to tell me you don't dress like a Viking in your own home, Jacob? I mean, in my most recent video, I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I brought it up. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm like you when it, when it comes to my own home and I do my own rituals or I go to my different spots that I have for the gods. I, I don't dress up. Once again, I don't have ritual clothes to begin with, but I, I just go as I am. And I think that that's perfectly fine. Even in your own home, you, if you want to have ritual guard, once again, it's your own home. Do do whatever you want to do, whatever you feel called to do. Do that. Uh, we've said it before, and we'll like Ian said, we'll say it till we die. There's really no right or wrong way of doing things as long as you're not hurting anyone or hurting yourself. You know, you're fine. Yeah, like for the solo stuff. I mean, yeah, I've definitely, I have definitely caught myself. Uh, you know, if I'm doing something very, very, very specific. I end up, you know, like I like to say, getting a little weird with it. Um, yeah, for like working with my field goat, with my fox, it's something that I've done. You know, I I had a, a fox skull, which I recently gave away to somebody else, but I also have a fox pelt um, that was gifted to me that I will use to help better connect with my field goat. And it's it just, it's small things like that, you know, and, and you know, I've had some, uh, had a, a couple incidences where I felt like I wanted to, you know, draw, you know, face paint runes on myself or, you know, something like that. But yeah, never, yeah, as far as I can remember, I don't think I have ever yeah, gone full on like in my ritual garb, you know, like as if I was at a gathering performing a ritual in front of, you know, so many people. Um, but yeah, there's, there are certain little touches that every now and then just feel right for what your specific intention is. So I actually remember my previous thought. So you actually had brought up Heilung and that's what I wanted to talk about was Heilung. <laughs> so, <You're welcome>. uh, <laughs> so um, you know, I've been to uh, Wardruna Live and I've been to Heilung Live um, last year. So I went to Wardruna at Red Rocks. And so Einar Selvig, and I, again, I, I brought this up in my ritual clothing video, um, but it's still an interesting topic to bring up here is the fact that, you know, looking at those two, I mean, groups, I mean, Wardruna has been around since 2003. So they are definitely pre-Viking TV show, which, well, let's be real. A lot of this stuff comes from the Viking TV show. We can't escape that and it's okay. But Einar Savik has been doing this a lot longer than that has existed. I mean, 2003, I mean, shoot, that was what, nine years before the Viking TV show? Um, and so what he generally has worn is some form of tunic when he performs. Um, it's usually quite simple. It's not that elaborate. It's usually dark. Um, but you really started seeing, I mean, again, post-Viking TV show, you see bands like Scald come out. I didn't realize, I mean, honestly, I didn't realize Scald didn't come out until uh, 2018. Um, and they wear very Viking age clothing in the sense that, you know, they wear tunics. Um, with, you know, first shoulders and they got, you know, the big red beard and they look very Viking when they, you know, do their music videos and it looks like when they perform as well. 
Um, and so it's, it, again, it seems that the spectrum of, you know, dress up for, you know, rituals or, you know, any form of pagan media, you know, goes back and forth all the time. Um, but I will say, it seems like that most pagan bands, at least in the modern era, do seem to wear something. Um, they don't, you don't generally see pagan performers you know, performing in just like street clothes. Um, now, one exception I will bring up, of course, you know, th that I've worked with him very, um, very closely is Sean Death from OC and the Jupiter. Um, when he performs, he goes, he, he has a range of old Western pagan. <laughs> like, you know, spending an extensive time with him, he definitely has like the cowboy hat, he usually wears some kind of like outdoorsy jacket, he curls his mustache, but he is covered head to toe in pagan tattoos. And so sometimes he'll just like take his jacket off and like you just see a bunch of runes and stuff like that. So, you know, he has a very unique style. And like one of the arguments I made for like uh, North American paganism um, is it seems like we have our own brand and own flavor as well. And I think he really embodies that well with the old West feel because there is old magic in the hills of Appalachia. There's old magic in the, you know, the, the Western mountains and, you know, the fields and things like that. Um, so there is just, a, there is no one right answer. And I think that, I mean, I, you know, I feel like every time I've talked in this episode, that's what it comes back to is there is no one right answer. And you're going to find so many different things and you need to find what works for you, um, both in your, you know, public practice and in your private practice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, finding what works for you. Because like, for, it just made me think of this when you were talking about like this gathering that was just this weekend. You know, yeah, we had you and your thing. Logan was in his. Mary was in coveralls. And then you have, you know, we had Eric who was on the podcast before, and he was wearing a mixture of of things where he had uh, a pair of like army fatigue pants, no shoes. This man was walking around barefoot the whole weekend, pretty much. And then he had all these necklaces on. One of them was one that you made, Baker, with the bones, and yeah. uh, and and you know a, range, a wide range of assortment of those with this black cloak over his eye, like over his head and everything like that, with with some uh, uh, paint below his eyes and stuff like that. Walking around with this massive staff, you know, and like that aesthetic was amazing and phenomenal and it you know it worked for him and it was his own style but you know it was an interesting blend of the two i feel like oh yeah for sure i mean he wears those fingerless gloves too with the skull hands that's <laughs> right yeah that's right i forgot about the yeah gloves. like you know like everyone's just gonna be well and shoot then we you know on the opposite of the spectrum you have cole that we met um you know young atlas at mm -hmm. you know in nashville we met him at the oh, was it why uh honey tree metery mm -hmm. um no, no shameless plug there. Actually, just a good meter. There's a metery in Nashville. People go to it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's awesome. Um, and we met Cole there. And Cole is a musician and he performs generally just in normal band music. But he has like pagan, you know, rings on all the time. He wears like a raven skull around his neck. But he generally just looks like a Nashville musician. And so he has his own blend of, blend of weird and pagan and modern mm -hmm. all mixed together. And then you have me sitting outside smoking my pipe with my flannel on, um, wearing my Sperry's. And looking like a damn hipster <laughs> but you know what i own it and i just you know i accept it well you got me looking like a fucking redneck <laughs> <laughs> that's because you are a, a hipster and baker if you're a redneck i'm a hillbilly dude i'm just did you did you, you didn't see me at the kentucky you know, that's what i came in was insulated bibs yeah and a yeah. flannel oh, i'll right. never forget uh, uh baker when you first showed up that first gathering you had that like bright yellow shirt on i was like man it looks like he just walked off the construction site <laughs> oh yeah i had my uh i had my 
that what is it called the uh, the safety green or whatever that like highlighter color yeah <laughs> uh but um one thing i wanted to do and talk about right here before we close it out since we already kind of talking about rituals like where and things like that is ritual etiquette and now this is something that you know gosh this is a hard subject because obviously every community out there is going to have different expectations um, so, you know, this is going to obviously be more skewed towards our community and what we've come used to and the, you know, over a dozen gatherings we've held now across the United States is, you know, we've found our own blend and what works and what needs to exist because like you can't, we have found personally that pandemonium doesn't, you just can't have it. You can't have no rules because, you know, people just take advantage of that, you know, whether they are a good intention or not, you know, we've had bad experiences, we've had great experiences, but ultimately there has to be something. Now, what they're, to me, you know, paganism and heathenry in particular needs to have, you know, very little dogma, but it needs to have respect. And so, you know, things like, you know, not talking over, you know, the whoever's performing the ritual, um, you know, not just like, I, you know, it's, it's hard because I obviously have promoted a more, you know, I guess, a, like loud version of heathenry in the sense of like, you know, shouting and, you know, feeling the gods really deep in your chest, but maybe don't do that right when someone's talking, like, you know, summoning the gods and someone just like, oh, no you know at the top of their legs it's like calm down it's okay <laughs> um but you know and then i feel like the, the ritual clothing goes into that a little bit um or at least what you wear to a ritual and things like that like you know like i don't even know like an example off the top of my head but maybe don't show up in pjs like i don't know like we it, it's a hard subject because we don't want to be the, you know the dicks out there they're like you have to wear this i mean the reason i say that is because like i'm reading right i have a book right here actually i was reading through because i remember reading this the Austria in Iceland and the Austria in other countries and things like that have like rules, like written rules of what you are and are not allowed to do. And so I feel like, you know, what, what needs to exist is somewhere in the middle. Um, like, you know, here, like rule number one, stand tall and do not slouch when you enter the Hof or sacred spaces, um, you know, bow and reverence to like the Gothi, like what, you know, what, what are we in church? Um, there is, you know, something about no frivolous talk, gossip or chatter when it, whenever an, an altar or a shrine or sacred imagery is present. Um, you always be sitting, standing until told to sit. Um, when attending a service uh, outdoor, indoors, remove your shoes at the entryway. Um, it's uncustomary to show respect for a host or leader of a ceremony by standing whenever he or she enters prior to the ritual. Like, what is this? And this is an, this is an also, also true handbook. Like... I didn't join Norse paganism and heathenry to go to church. So, you know, yeah. at the same time, you can't just say, hey, come to the ritual and do whatever you want. Cause then all of a sudden, like, it just, it doesn't go well. We've had that, we've had that problem. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's just, if anything, it's more of a, just have a general, you know, respect for what is going on. You know, it, you, for example, like don't show up like heavily intoxicated. You know what I mean? Like. That's that's a big thing that for me, like if you are, if you are, you know, show up to one of my rituals that I'm performing and you can barely stand, you're, you know, you're falling over, you're tripping over, you're spilling things on other people, et cetera, or, you know, being belligerent, you know, I'm straight up, I'm going to kindly ask you to go sit down and like sit this one out. You know, you are not, you know, you know, you're not in a mindset to be in a ritual like this right now, because for one, you could potentially uh affect either a the person that is performing the ritual because now they're more they're potentially more concentrated on 
that individual, making sure, you know, they don't fall over and hurt themselves. They don't fall into a fire. You know, they could potentially be, you know, yelling some crazy things, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's also going to affect those that are also participating in it. And it's the same thing. They're going to be more focused on this person who is, you know, belligerently drunk and, and, you know, just a handful you know, that's, it's just, yeah, common courtesies, I feel like is, is a very good way of looking at it. Yeah, not necessarily like the strict rules that you just read, you know, that's abs- absurd, honestly, it's a bit extreme. But yeah, just common decencies and courtesies, I feel like, are the very like basics, especially like what we've put on that I think is something that should be followed, I think. I don't know. Well, just be yeah. respectful. That's all it really comes down to. Just be respectful. With, to the gods and to the person that is, you know, taking the time to prepare something and a, a spiritual experience for you and everybody else there. Right. Like, uh, like what you're saying is respectful, be, being respectful. Uh, not only, you know, when you're going to a, a ritual with other people or if you want to be respectful to the person doing the ritual, the people around the ritual, but you're going to be representing, you're going to be in the presence of the gods and you're going to be a representative yourself with the group to this god and that's something a lot of people really don't consider you know whenever you're, you're in this ritual when you're in this practices and we're calling upon odin or thor or Frey, and, and if you are drunk out of your mind that can be offensive to the god and everyone around and that goes on your reputation and that's the whole episode we can have on the podcast is what is your reputation and how to protect your reputation oh yeah for sure and um you know i was just thinking too you know in the terms as far as like um you know the drinking i mean it's right there in the have them all it said it's there's like 10 lines in the have them all about like keeping moderation with drinking um and same thing with about being a good host and being a good guest you know there, there's extensive lines about not overstaying your welcome about you know not over you know overeating and not you know, oversleeping and things like that. So do those things at a ritual too. You know, be respectful to the, you know, whoever's hosting it, whether you're getting an Airbnb or you're staying at someone's house, you know, why would you disrespect their ritual? Well, you know, you wouldn't disrespect their house, right? You wouldn't disrespect their property. Um, same thing with, you know, being at a ritual. Don't disrespect what someone else is putting on. Um, and again, that, that, that all goes back to reputation. Do you want to be known as the guy that got drunk at a ritual and like, you know, peed on the fire, or fell into the fire? You know, is that what you want to be known as? You know, these are the questions we always, always have to ask ourselves as well. Or do you want to be known as the person that helped clean up? Or the person that, you know, when, you know, you drop something because you're wearing a visor, you know, like the person putting on the ritual dropped something and that you helped them pick it up. You know, wouldn't you rather be known as the person that was helpful? You know, wouldn't you be rather known as the person that is wonderful to invite to your event, to other people's events? You help cook, you help clean, you know, you might not talk all the time or something like that, but it's like, man, I really love, you know, Steve, you know, Steve comes to a gathering, he cooks, he cleans, he's, you know, respectful at rituals and we all have a good time. Wouldn't you rather be Steve? yeah and it's kind of like what you're saying like with the reputation thing like with being around a ritual like yeah say if something falls during a ritual like be that person pick it up but even you know a lot of people have these moments um or like realizations that can get very emotional for some people during some of these rituals whether they they like they really feel something you know like even just being that person that recognizes that somebody is is being hit by this ritual very very hard and just being like that grounding anchor for them too like you you happen to notice it you know like go over to that person you know check on them you know sit with them just listen to them and and if they wanted to talk about their experience or something that kind of help 
calm themselves down or bring themselves back, or maybe they just wanted to share it with somebody, you know, just to let it all out kind of a thing. Like that's, that's another good thing as far as like your reputation and just courtesies around a ritual. Cause yeah, people are going to be affected by it on different levels in various ways. And it's, it's, you know, that could really mess with somebody if they are, you know, having a very hard emotional, like reaction to a ritual because it hit them that hard and they felt that connected to it. And then you, yeah, you have somebody that's, you know, just their guts are now leaving their body because they were so drunk, like right next to them. Like that's just going to really mess with you. Honestly, I feel like. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, just respect, respect, respect goes a long ways when it comes to rituals and, and even like in your own home, you wouldn't want to call upon a God. Like, let's say it's your first time at a ritual and you, you do hell. I'm just using Ian as a reference today. Uh, and then you decide to work with hell again. And then you remember or like a, a memory flashes back to how you first acted when you first encountered with hell. Well, that God is going to remember that, that God's going to think back and like, Hey, should I work with him the way that, that they treated me and, and the offering to me whenever everybody was going uh, and going out of their way to honor me. And like I said, we can just do a whole episode just on your reputation because your reputation precedes you. Um, but to close things out, I just want to bring up right back to private practice again for everyone out there that isn't attending gatherings or can't um, or just doesn't want to because they want to continue to be private practice, which is perfectly fine. Um, you know, as far as the respect thing goes, you know, um, you know, transitioning that over to, you, you know, even having one guest over, you know, you wouldn't want someone disrespecting your altar space. Imagine if someone came over and was like messing and touching your altar space. Oh my gosh. Imagine like, you know, imagine you came over and just started moving things in my altar. I would probably like slap you. <laughs> <laughs> like you wouldn't do that in someone's house. No. You wouldn't go and mess with their sacred objects and sacred space. So, you know, don't do that at, you know, a, a public ritual or things like that. Um, but, you know, also keeping a, a sacred space in your home, if you choose to do that or keeping one outside, um, you know, remain, maintaining the cleanliness of it, I think is another really good thing you can do for your private practice. Um, maintaining the cleanliness, you know, maybe bring new flowers onto it, depending on the season. Make sure offerings don't stay there very long. Um, you know, the whole, the ritual etiquette thing can be transitioned and boiled down to your personal practice as well. Um, maybe it doesn't need to be as dogmatic as what I read. Um, but, you know, <laughs> but, you know, hey, you know, find what works for you, just like everything else in this faith. In conclusion, since we don't have a guest, you know, um, I think, you know, I think that wraps up this pretty well. I feel like we, we've hit on the point pretty well. It's just do you find what works best for you, find works, what works best within your personal practice, your private practice. And if you choose to attend public rituals um, or even, even perform a ritual at some point, find what works best for you. And definitely you start performing a ritual, you're going to learn very quickly that maybe, you know, you're going to find out what works. You're going to find out, you know, about the respect thing. You're going to find out, you know, maybe you do need something, maybe you need some form of face paint or even just a necklace, or maybe, you know, just like the taste of something. You'll find what works for you. Um, but I hope this episode has just been a fun little discussion for everyone as we all get back in the swing of things of doing a podcast. Uh, we apologize this episode was a little bit late, uh, but obviously if you're watching this later, you don't even care, but just know we care about you. We care about you, Czech Republic, because we're number three. Um, but folk, let's go ahead and end this episode. Thank you all very much. If you're interested in being on the Folk Podcast, we are looking for guests. So please email us at thefolkpodcast, all lowercase, at gmail.com. Thefolkpodcast at gmail.com. But folk, until the hall, and until next time, yeah. skull. <laughs> <laughs>